Welcome back to Keto and Crime and Thought Crime. We are kicking off November. Back to our regular true crime and weird history and book reviews. Normalcy. I really did enjoy Thunoween. Um, um, I'm glad you guys let me indulge my love of horror movies and, and other things. But uh, we'll do that once a year. But other than that, we're going to stick to our normalcy over here, which is true crime and history and, and all that stuff. So kicking this off with a book review. Uh, book review of Julie Rose. From Tragedy to Destiny, A Vision of America's Future. This is some weird stuff, boys and girls. And everyone in between, this is weird stuff. Um, yeah. So, this is like Daybell level weirdness. I'm just going to warn you. In fact, I think she copied Chad Daybell in a lot of ways, which makes sense because he was her publisher and all that stuff. But, you know, Julie Rowe, if you're out there and you hear this, don't come for me. I'm more than willing to chat with you live online if you if you want to talk to me about this. In fact, I would love to. So if you get to that point and you'd like to reach out, my email address is below. Let's talk about it. Anyway, I'm dating this, but if um, you're listening to this just after it was released, you know we're still in the middle of a presidential election few days afterwards. Anybody else feel like we're waiting for the results of an STD test? Because that's what it feels like. But I hope this does take your mind off of it. So let's get into it. A huge shout out to my channel members and my patrons. Love you. Couldn't do this without you. But let's get into it. Julie wrote, oh, oh, before, I'm so sorry. All those new designs that I came up with for my merch, those are available. I'm going to link them here, I'm going to link them down there. Check those out. The uh, the new book, Coffee, uh, Crime Time. is out as well as The Skull, for those of you that like the, the crime scene, Do Not Cross Skull. All of those designs are now live on my Teespring, make great gifts. Uh, they're not exactly, they will have some branding, like very tiny on the back, but for the most part, they're just retro, rock, punk rockish style, Grateful Dead style t-shirts, and I, they come in an array of colors. They are great for gifts. I would certainly appreciate it. It helps contribute to the channel. Also, if you want to join my patrons or my channel members, all those links are just below. It does help me keep the channel going. I could not keep keep this channel alive without you guys. So thank you so much for everything. But let's get into it now. Julie Rowe from Tragedy to Destiny. Warning for America. God help me. This book, published by Chad Daybills, uh, Spring Creek Books, Spring Hill Books, is about 200 pages long. It is under four hours on Audible, and interestingly enough, it's read by Chad's daughter, Emma. 
So it was nice to hear her voice. Um, but basically, Julie Rowe was approached by Chad Daybell because she had basically told about a near-death experience or an experience beyond the veil uh, that she had where she came up with some dank warnings for the United States and for the Mormon Church. And uh, this is basically her writing it down. So, yeah, let's see what she has to say, shall we? So it opens with uh, her husband, Jeff, leaving uh, the state they were living in. I believe it was Arizona at the time. To going to Idaho for a, his or for a his grandmother's funeral, a elderly person in his family had died. Let's put it that way. I, honestly, I'll be the first to admit I zoned out a few times during this book, and then I had to rewind. So I apologize, but it was just that kind of book. But uh, anyway, husband Jeff was gone. She was at home with her kids, and they all took turns having the flu, and then she got it. Uh, she had a severe migraine one day, so she called a friend over to care for the kids while she took care of her migraine. Uh, she also called the local church. They sent over an elder who did a blessing for her, and she said that the nausea, the pain was much less, but then there was a tingling. That night, she said she was very, very sick when she went to bed, but she did dream that she was ill and she saw herself in a hospital surrounded by doctors and her husband Jeff and his dad who were all there and they were upset and the doctors were questioning her about all kinds of stuff about her health and then she woke up. It was, she said it was a very sad emotional day because she started thinking about that dream, what did it mean, but she said she was convinced that God had her best interests at heart and that it would okay Okay, be all okay. And then finally her husband returned from Idaho and she said she really couldn't explain it to him. He seemed very worried about her, but she told him everything would be okay. So she was still pretty sick. So basically Jeff told her he would take care of the house. He would take care of things and for her to go back upstairs and go to bed. She said she did that. She went back up to bed, and as she was lying there, kind of drifting in and out of sleep, she said she saw the veil open. This veil we keep hearing about in these books. It parted, so I guess it's a big hurt. But it parted, and she said she saw lots of women of various ages. Uh, some were her relatives. Others she wasn't real sure all standing there watching her, talking to her. It was a party. And she said she felt as though her body was starting to separate from her spirit. She thought she was dying and the spirit was trying to come out of her body as she tried to sleep. So she said she woke up. She was so startled. She woke up. She went downstairs. She felt dizzy and she fell on the floor. Uh... They put her back to bed. She had the same dream about being in the hospital, and she stayed sick, sick for days. They finally took her to the hospital, and she had some lab tests, which showed she had some, you know, malfunction in her liver. It didn't really go into that anymore, but she had some malfunction in her liver. And so Jeff had to, had to leave to go home take care of the kids. His mother was coming over to take care of the kids. She said the entire time she was in the hospital under sedation, 
that she saw angels in her room. One of them she knew was her guardian angel and that the veil was very thin. So that was an old curtain. Uh, she said she kept seeing spirits, mostly female. She dreamed of her past life. Julie, did, do you just need a girl's day? Is this, is this a way? Call me, girl. We'll, we'll go have lunch. We'll shop. We'll have a girl's day. You don't need to go to all this extent. But anyway, okay. But then she said she started to fall back asleep. And she felt her body, she said, rising up through the ceiling, through the air, into the veil, through space. She didn't say space. I threw that in. But she felt herself rising up through the ceiling into the veil. And that was the first two chapters. It's that kind of morning, people. Get some coffee. So when she finally finishes lifting through the veil, she sees a large meadow. And she is greeted by a blonde hair, blue-eyed guy. Because of course you are. Because These are the Mormons. Of course he's blonde hair and blue eyed. I know there's LDS people out there that watch me and I'm so sorry. I'm making fun of this particular sect of crazy. I'm not making fun of you. I, or, but it's just, uh, why did he, she even have to describe that he was blonde hair? Why does that matter? You're, you're beyond the veil. Anything that happens from the point you go float through a ceiling up into the Netherlands, that's like, that's special. So you don't need to describe people as blonde-haired and blue. Why? Why is that even a thing? Why is that necessary? Does it make it more special because he's blonde? I don't care if he's brunette with glasses. I don't care if he looks like me, which is you know, reminiscent of Velma from Scooby-Doo. I don't care if he looks like Shaggy. I don't care if it's a talking dog. From this point on, anything that happens is special and unique, and I'll shut up and continue on now. He greeted her and said he was one of her ancestors named John, who she knew was one of her guardian angels. You have a lot of guardian angels, girl. And he said, I have stuff to show you. Otherwise, this trip would have been wasted. <laughs> anyway, there was a crystal clear lake. Uh, she saw flowers and animals and mountain views that were not available on Earth. So God got some great animals that he's not sharing with us. I bet there's a talking koala. Because I would pay to see that. Anyway, then she remembered her life in the veil before birth. <clears throat> I'm always suspect of people that say they remember their <laughs> being in the womb or, or, or anything like that. I mean, come on, but let's, let's just, let's go with it. So, she remembered being in the veil before going down to earth and she talked about how wonderful it was. And then basically she said that God had a plan for all people to return to him, to return to their life beyond the veil. And she was only allowed to remember her life before, you know, beyond the veil before life on earth because she was uh, being allowed to see this and wasn't 
actually ready to die. John told her that she was definitely going back. They had a mission for her, and she would be going back. But he was allowing her to remember her life before the veil, or within the veil before birth, just this once. That this is not something that is reserved for all people. This is a very special kind of thing. And because God sends us all to earth to live a life and return to him through his plan of faith and obedience, not because we have the memory of that great life that we want to get back to. God's playing some, some weird games. Anyway, so he allowed her to see what was going on earth right now while she was supposedly in the hospital. I'm just wondering if, when she went up, like she was in, did she code? Did your body code, girl? Because you didn't really say, I mean, were you just asleep? And your body was like in peaceful slumber? Did you actually die? Because if you died, you're probably hooked up to machines. You're probably going to throw a code and they're going to be in there, you know, doing some Grey's Anatomy shit. But anyway, so she he allowed her to look down at what was going on right now. So there was no code. So I'm assuming her body was just asleep. Dreaming. But... She saw her husband, Jeff, praying and sobbing for her. Um, she said she saw her mo mother-in-law trying to care for her children that were crying and acting out. She wanted to return to Earth but right away, but she said she needed to take this tour. And we already paid for it. Might as well take the tour. It's that money. I don't think they can put it on a gift certificate and you can come back, you know, kind of that thing. But she saw uh, scenes of her past life and her future life. And they told her right then, John said, you need to write this book. Yeah. So then they were walking along still in this meadow with these unusual animals, talking koalas and unicorns and things like that. I'm just that I'm making that up because that's the kind of animals I would imagine that God would keep for himself because I keep them for myself. But anyway. She saw a cottage, a wall, and then there was a celestial city, and then a cottage kind of out from the city where there was a nice elderly couple, he said, that lived there that preferred the country to the city because evidently you can choose your own real estate when you're beyond the veil. And there they had a dog, and then she asked about dogs and said, yes, not all dogs go to heaven, but some dogs do. And then she saw the Celestial City, uh, and he took her to visit the clerk. Heaven has the county clerk. And so she said it was written in a celestial language she didn't quite understand, but okay, this is the clerk, and he, like, basically writes down everything that happens. I guess he's, you know, because... In the LDS religion, they're big on recording and genealogy, so he's writing all of this stuff down. And so she visited his office, saw some women, women cooking. They informed that food was no longer out of necessity. It was more for pleasure and socializing. That's how I use it in my normal life. So, uh, carnival is still going well, though, people. I'm still losing weight, down another few pounds. and But once I'm down to a slight goal, then I'll inform. But anyway, back to it. So, 
Then he, she saw some dinosaurs, uh, plant eaters and flying dinosaurs and asked about the meat eaters, if there was a T-Rex. And he said, no, the dinosaurs are all here, but the T-Rexes are sequestered in another place where they can't harm the plant eaters. So God can't just make them not need food anymore? We, we, they still, you know, food is for socializing and pleasure for humans, but he can't just zap the dinosaurs. Oh, you don't need to eat out of necessity because animals don't eat for pleasure. Animals eat out of necessity. And so he can't just make them not be hungry anymore. He has to like bring in segregation. Don't all dino lives matter? Why should the meat eaters be over there? They need some social reform. Oh, and evidently John told her, you know, the guardian angel dude, blonde hair, blue eyes. He told her what happened to the dinosaurs that she can't tell us. Anyway, so then he took her to the library, and this is where the real meat of the story starts. Um, he said, all, she said all the stuff there was... Um, the library itself was made out of this marble-isk material, but it was a mineral or a something that was only available in heaven, not earth. So it was marble-like, but wasn't really marble, and it was very nice. All the stuff in the library was written in Adam's language, whatever that was. And there were lots of women in the library socializing, so I guess they didn't have that librarian that goes... There was also a lot of men working behind glass offices because even in heaven you need glass offices. And uh, all the men, the women were in dresses and the men were in pantsuits because let's face it, that's what God intended. And he took her to a shelf and there was a book titled Christopher Columbus. And she was told to pick it up and read it but just to thumb through it and let God magic take trunks. So she was able to speed read this book. And it said that Chris Columbus had been, de you know, de demonized by a re revisionist history. That was the exact term, revisionist history. And had been prompted by God to find the new world. He was actually a man of faith. That God had a plan for America all along and that all the founding fathers were of faith, even though some of them were of non-Christian faith, they were of faith in a creator, and that revisionist history has changed that. Um, she also talked about uh, the story of Joan of, Joan of Arc, which was also in this book, and how she saw everything that happened to Joan of Arc, and that Satan had long been plotting against the Founding Fathers and the, how they had been misrepresented by history. Okay. First of all, I am never doubting that many of our Founding Fathers were of a theistic faith. Just like you said, they may not have been traditional Christian faith, but they were theistic, most of them. However, there are people like Thomas Jefferson who literally took the Bible, Julie, and took all of the miracles of Jesus out and just had a book on the teachings of Jesus. 
You're telling me that somebody that believed in the Christian religion would actually do that. Isn't there a, like a passage in the Bible, I think in Revelation, that says, you know, woe to he that removes or adds to these scriptures? So, yeah, Ben Franklin is quoted about being very skeptical of religion. I'm not saying they didn't believe in a, a creator. That's very possible. We do know that some people, like Patrick Henry, were definitely bona fide atheists, whereas some of the others, theistic, didn't really believe in Christianity. In fact, Ben Franklin said that religion was could be a great, you know, farce perpetrated upon uh, humanity. So, to say that these were all godly men led by God is kind of a stretch. I'm sure the majority of them were, but there are notable exceptions, and she specifically brung up Thomas Jefferson and um, John Adams and Ben Franklin saying how their words had been misconstrued, but you don't misconstrue him ripping apart the Bible and rewriting it in his own book. That's like, we have copies of so, yeah. And when it came to, you know, Christopher Columbus, I'm very grateful he, he, he discovered or, or led, led to, I mean, he didn't land in America first, but, you know, to very grateful that the whole new world thing was discovered. And most countries, when they discover new, new civilizations, they do tend to conquer them and create new countries. That's true of any civilization in the history of this world has terrible things like conquering and warfare and slavery in it. And I'm not saying we should forget that those things happened. We should definitely remember those things happened because they should be warnings on how we shouldn't do those things anymore. But those things happen. And do I think you need to tear down great civilizations that you have right now because those things happen? No. Forget it. Move on. It's over. We have more than enough problems, modern problems, that we need to solve that are affecting real-life people today rather than worrying about stigmas attached from 200 years ago. That's not what, that's not what it's affecting you. Let's solve real problems and not dwell on the past. And that goes for Julie Rowe, that goes for me, that goes for you, that goes for everyone. Let's continue on. Sorry about that minor rant, but I love history and I had to say something. And then she got into more books and more visions of the history of the world. And we're going to talk about each and every one of them, people. She said Adam and Eve were great people. And that even after they you know, left the Garden of Eden because they ate that pesky apple, that they were good people that walked with God. However, their son, Cain, was evil. He went rogue. He killed his brother, uh, uh, Abel, and was evil and had been deceived by Satan and caused a literal struggle between the descendants of Satan and the descendants of God. Then we skip forward to Noah, who was a great man. He was strong and gentle. He was mocked by the evil people of his generation, and it took them 120 years to build the ark, all the time him begging people to change. Then she marveled about the greatness of the ark, how it was an engineering marvel, and that all the animals were sent by God, that Adam and his family did not have to go out and find those animals. They were literally sent by God. 
And once time came for the great rains to start, this, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, everyone was sealed into the ark by the angels and he miraculously made the carnivores and the plant eaters get along. Okay, that proves my previous point. Why does God need to sequester the meat-eating dinosaurs over here when he just proved he can take away their need to eat food? But he can make them get along. Why can't he make them get along in his own home? He can only do it on boats? Julie, you got to plot holes. you got to think of these things. Anyway, then she said, you know, they told the whole story about when they finally got out of the ark, that God guided them and the animals were to migrate. So that's how the polar bears made it back to Antarctica. That's how the koalas made it back to Australia. Then she talked about uh, the Tower of Babel, which, as you know, is where supposedly all the different languages came from because they were building, 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 thought they were greater than God, and so God cursed them with different languages. Then she talked about Samuel and Isaac and how Isaac was so obedient and would have allowed himself to be killed. And then we go forward to the story of Jacob and his 12 sons, how Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and ended up working for the Egyptian diplomat Potiphar and his wife tried to seduce him. He ended up interpreting dreams for the Pharaoh, predicted the seven years of famine where he was allowed to store up food where everybody had plenty and became a governor of of Egypt and then how he was forgotten and Moses came along and how he lost his temper after getting the Ten Commandments. She's basically seeing the whole Old Testament unfold in front of her right now. And then she saw how Samson was she saw how Samson was I mean this is like speed reading. Samson uh, be equipped uh, by Delilah and the Philistines, and then she saw the life of David and talked about how wonderful King David was, and then we get to the life of John the Baptist, the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the crucifixion and the resurrection through the early church, the persecution of the apostles and other early Christians, and then she got to see the Mormons in North America. So she got to see Moroni and, and his crew and how things changed through, you know, the pilgrims coming to America, the Middle Ages. And then she gets to the Founding Fathers and sees the entire story of the Founding Fathers, how they were all men of faith. We've already addressed this. And how they had a, God had a purpose for America to be a shining light and beacon. Then she meets some of the founding fathers and founding mothers. She met an ancestor of her that signed the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And all of these great founding fathers and founding mothers warned her about the evil direction that America was taking. Specifically, she talked to Ben, Ben, Ad, Ben, uh, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, uh, James Madison, George Washington, they all told her that the Founding Fathers were victims of re revisionist history and they were all good, godly people. None of them were atheists, blah, 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 blah. And that America was a chosen nation and a promised land. She also met Dolly Madison and Abigail Adams and Mother Teresa. Oh my God, you mean Mother Teresa actually made it to heaven? 
even though she tried to say that everything that was bad about her was uh, said bad about her was also revisionist history and wasn't true, uh, not you know ignoring the fact that Mother Teresa pushed against birth control in a very overpopulated uh, country of India. She did nothing to cure the sick that were under her care. She just simply let them die, converting them to Catholicism before they died so that she could populate the kingdom of heaven. But yeah, that's considered good works. Okay. So, uh, then she said that she was given her mission by the Founding Fathers to warn us about the evil path that America was on and stress the importance of family. Now, I have to agree with her there. I think family is very important. I think it's better to have two parents when you can, definitely, and I think that's what we should strive for, but sometimes circumstances don't allow that, but it should never be a goal to be a single parent. I'm just saying. Um, then she saw her life. She had her like life review with John and some other people on a huge projector through the Book of Life. She saw her entire life fold out in front of her on a large movie screen. Uh, she said she couldn't go into too much. She wasn't going to go into too much detail about that, but she even saw parts of her life that were, even though on the movie screen, they were blacked out, but she knew that it was things that she still needed to get forgiveness for, and she did talk about one of them her junior year of high school where she had just learned to drive and she actually hit a car that was parked at a store and never told anyone. And so she said she needed to repent for that. And she it, she's now 31, so this has been like, what, 17, you know, 16, 15 years ago? So anyway, that's that was her thing she needed to repent from. And so then she looked through the window of heaven and was told about the great sickness that was about to come upon her. I guess that relates back to the liver tests, but they also gave her hope and said that she would be all right. And then they took her back even further in history, and so uh, she saw the creation of the earth from particles. Uh, she was shown the future, uh, lots of natural disasters that were going to happen, and that people must seek God. And then she talked about how to preserve your memories during all these great things, to put everything that means anything to you on a jump drive or some other digital way of saving it. And then she talked about how prices of every, now this is 2004, how prices of everything is going to skyrocket. And that she said there will come a time where you're no longer able to stock up on extra food, so stock up on it now. She then talked about how she doesn't allow her family to eat wild-caught fish because of Japanese radiation in the ocean. And, uh, yeah, you need to be careful about fish. I mean, mercury poisoning is a thing. So she talked about lying world leaders and politicians. That's not any great insight. Yeah, politicians lie. We know that. And that she talked about how bioweapons were being uh, developed to destroy America from in and out. I don't doubt that there's countries out there plotting the downfall of the United States. I don't think that that's unreasonable. And that there will be more wars and that there will be a war with China over Japan and we will feel the need to defend Japan. That makes sense. We pretty much provide their military as it is. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that putting United States troops all over the world will leave us vulnerable at home and will leave us 
open to invasion at home. Now, I believe that we should keep our troops here. We shouldn't be involved in unnecessary wars. And I hope that whoever wins president does bring the troops home and we don't get involved back in unnecessary wars. And then she talks about corruption in hospitals, police departments, fire departments, utilities, and that there will be man-made shortages of power, water, and food. I mean, that's already happened. Look at California back in the days of Enron. That was literally a manufactured energy shortage, energy crisis in the state of California so that Enron could cash in on energy speculation. I actually did a video on that. I'll link it here. But, so yeah, that stuff's already happened. So she's ranting about all this stuff and then just stops right in the middle and says, but God will come to the rescue of his people. Can't God just prevent it from happening? Talks about a Chinese and Russian invasion of the United States and how we ask for UN peacekeepers and it turns into... So basically she gives us the plot of the Daybell apocalyptic novels we've already reviewed. I'll link those above if you're interested because those plots are exactly what she's describing here, down to the letter. So there will be a Russian and Chinese invasion. They will conquer the land. They will kill as many Americans as they can. It'll be World War III. It'll break out of the world. She says she saw Big Ben and the tower, Leaning Tower of Pisa blown up. The, uh, the Vatican blown up. The Pope killed. There will be two Antichrists that will rise. That will be the darling of the media. One's a white guy and one's a Middle Eastern guy. The Christians, or the Mormons, I suppose, will be the ones to fight back. Um, she said she asked if this has to happen, and she was told yes. There will be miracles on the battlefield, much like described, I'm sure, in uh, Chad Daybell's novels, that will help the believer armies. Uh, God's hand will hold them back from their encampments. And she talked about tent cities, just like Chad Daybell did in his book series. And that the USA will be rebuilt. Many cities like Washington, D.C. will be left desolate, but America will be rebuilt into a promised land and that they must go through this cleansing. And then she went over how we need to turn back to God, turn back to traditional values, and then we will be cleansed. Maybe we can prevent this from happening. And that's kind of where the book ends. So there you go. That's what Julie Rose saw in her evidently couple-hour visit to heaven. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back soon with another video. And until then, Keto Comic.